0: Welcome to the Equine Veterinary Education Podcasts.
1: Hello and welcome to the Equine Veterinary Education Podcast. I'm your host, Lizzie Halliwell, and today we'll be we will be speaking to Alex Gillen about her review paper on tracheal perforations and finding the right treatment option. Hi Alex, thanks for joining us. Hi Lizzie, thank you. So In first-opinion practice, injuries to the trachea are relatively rare. Could you tell us how the cases of tracheal perforation that you've seen have presented and how they're diagnosed?
0: Sometimes we'll get lucky and there'll be an external wound, so we might just have in our mind that a tracheal perforation might be present. Something to be cognizant of is that the external wound may actually be pretty far from where the tracheal perforation site actually is. A more common way, though, for these to present is with a bunch of subcutaneous emphysema and actually not necessarily any evidence of an external wound. So we can get these tracheal perforations from some kind of blunt trauma pretty often. So if we see these cases later, so after they've had a chance to build up this subcutaneous emphysema, we may well see them in respiratory distress. So in terms of diagnosis, radiography and ultrasonography can help they will tell us that there is air or gas within within the tissue planes. But actually to find the location of the perforation, we need to do this via endoscopy. And just things to remember is that we may have more than one perforation, and um, having concurrent dorsal and ventral perforations is fairly common, and we also need to be sure to check for other injuries. So it's been documented that we can have, for example, a tracheal perforation plus an esophageal perforation at the same time.
1: In terms of initial stabilisation, is there anything that can be done out on the yard or is a quick referral usually the best option?
0: So usually sending a horse in in quickly is is the best way to reduce the chances of complications. But there are some things that we can can do in terms of stabilisation. So if there's an external wound, you can pack the the, the defect or possibly put pressure wrap at the site of the perforation. These horses should also have some flunixin, some broad spectrum antimicrobials we can even, in some cases, possibly think about metronidazole and we check the horse's tetan status. It can help to keep the horse's head in a fairly consistent position, um, similar to any kind of subcutaneous emphysema. The more those tissue planes move around, the horse is likely to get. And bear in mind, if we do have a case of pneumothorax, then we need to stabilize that, that horse before referral, so usually by re-establishing negative pleural pressure.
1: And uh, you write in your commentary that some tracheal perforations can be managed conservatively, so surgical repair is not always necessary. Um, Would you mind describing the situation and the type of injury where conservative management would be appropriate and what options there are for conservative management? Sure. So in order to manage these conservatively,
0: they need to be a small injury. So we're not honestly entirely sure what constitutes small, but um, documented cases of tracheal perforation that have been managed conservatively have been let's say one centimeter squared or maybe one by two centimeters squared but the unfortunate thing is it doesn't follow that all tracheal perforations of that size will be able to be managed conservatively. Usually this needs to be a ventral injury as well however it has been documented that concurrent dorsal and ventral perforations have been managed conservatively but usually think of a really small injury that's typically ventral So you can pack or wrap the the, the defect, have the horse on some flunixin and broad spectrum antimicrobials and really monitor for any kind of increase in subcutaneous emphysema. So if there is any increase in subcutaneous emphysema from when you start treatment, it means that treatment is probably not working and we need to change to something else. The danger is if we don't change to something else, we can get pneumomediastinum, pneumothorax and eventually respiratory distress. It's been documented that small catheters have been used to reduce um, subcutaneous emphysema in these situations. Um, I've tried it. They haven't worked that well for me, but plenty smarter people than me have used them successfully.
1: And if we don't go for conservative management, um, then is surgical closure the only other option? Um, what, else, what else can we do? I know you already mentioned the, the catheter.
0: So there's lots of other, other options depending on the location and the size of the tear. So you can use a, a little short tracheostomy tube. So if the lesion is really distal or if there's concurrent dorsal and ventral perforations, you can actually put that uh, tracheostomy tube in the, the ventral perforation. Or more ideally, you'll put your tracheostomy tube distal to wherever that perforation is. So in terms of the size of tube, you can use a 16 to 18 millimeter short cuff J shaped endotracheal tube and that works for kind of your average size quarter horse. Um, Previously I've used cuffed endotracheal tubes, the last one we did actually use one without a cuff and it still worked great. And there are risks of using a cuff so definitely something to have a think about. we do need to be aware that because a lot of these lesions are caused by blunt trauma, let's say a running into a fence or something, the lesions are often really distal. So we got to make sure that tracheostomy tube is really, really distal to be distal to everything. Um, Coco Good. et al. Have documented the use of fibrin glue to um, resolve a dorsal tracheal perforation. They had some difficulties with the application there, but they talked through those so well in, in the paper I feel as though someone could probably read through the paper and replicate what they did. Um, there's a few different options we, for surgical closure. You can perform a direct suturing technique via a ventral defect if we have a dorsal defect and also via cartilage resection. You can also do some direct suturing of some larger lesions. Um, location can make this difficult though and some of the dissection we need to do to um, isolate and suture these lesions is not always ideal. Um, usually, if we're doing a direct suturing of the lesions, we're usually looking at a 2 USP mon- monofilament suture. Um, in the really extreme cases where there is complete laceration of the trachea or where the trachea is sufficiently damaged, a resection and anastomosis is an option.
1: Your commentary was published in conjunction with a three horse case series that reports successful surgical repair of a dorsal tracheal perforation. Um, can you explain what was new about this type of surgical repair in comparison with the the ones you've just described? Absolutely. so this um
0: case series it was um, you know, a great idea. I'm kind of a bit jealous that i didn't didn't think of it to be honest, but um this was a very cool way of dealing specifically with dorsal tracheal defects. And the defects in the case series were about one to two centimeters long. Um, logically, you could potentially use this for concurrent ventral and dorsal defects as well. So these defects were sutured while the horse was under general anesthesia. The horses, some of the horses in this study were actually having respiratory difficulties at the time. So that was the logic of doing these under general anesthesia. And the authors used endoscopic guidance to guide the surgeon as to precisely where that dorsal perforation was and the surgeon would remove the ventral third of the tracheal ring that was opposite that dorsal perforation. So it was a rather similar method to doing a sort of a smaller version of a permanent tracheostomy, except that the mucosa isn't sutured to the skin, that defect's actually closed afterwards. But once you have your your ventral um, cartilage resection that you've made, you can then suture the dorsal defect through that window. And the authors used a 3-0 USP monofilament suture for that. And then once that dorsal defect was closed, they could close the ventral defect, and all the cases did did really well post op. Um, it's slightly different to, to other methods of repairing dorsal perforations. You can either do a lot of di- dissection and do some um, direct suturing, or there is another case report that describes using a window, sort well, using a ventral defect rather, a defect that was made via trauma, to. Sneak some little instruments in and, and suture a dorsal defect, um, but this was a, a really excellent method of dealing
1: with the dorsal defects. And um, in terms of the the post op care of these patients, how are they managed, and what potential complications are there to look out for?
0: So in general, these horses are going to have some flunixin uh, we're going to and um, broad spectrum antimicrobials. We're going to be monitoring them for subcutaneous emphysema. Um, we can do repeated scopes of the trachea. So if there's any increase in subcutaneous emphysema, that horse needs to be re-scoped. But typically we'll re-scope him about two days post-op, and then maybe every sort of three to five days after that, depending on how the horse is doing. Um, that will depend on what sort of method we're using. So in the Iglesias Garcia paper, they had a very quick recovery. There was a fibrin seal at two days, and then the defect would be completely resolved around about 10 to 13 days. Uh, these horses need to be on box rest until complete healing has occurred, and that's usually a good few weeks. If a resection and anastomosis is needed, then the aftercare is far more involved. The horse is going to be wearing a harness. The box rest is really prolonged. Um, but obviously, we only do a resection and anastomosis if that's our, you know, if we have a particularly severe laceration. In terms of potential complications, um, anytime there's subcutaneous emphysema, we can have a pneumomediastinum and a pneumothorax. Retropharyngeal emphysema is being documented. Um, If we we are using an endotracheal tube, there's potential complications with that, especially if we're using a cuffed endotracheal tube. Tracheal ring trauma is also a possibility, and as well as injury to any of the surrounding structures. So we need to make sure we monitor the ventral surgical site really, really well. Um, Things like infection or prolonged wound healing are always
1: possibilities. And finally, um, do you have a re- preference on the repair method amongst the techniques you've described? And you already kind of answered this, but I guess you would consider using the surgical repair technique described in the case series in the future.
0: Um, absolutely. The method described by Iglesias Garcia is, is, I think, a, a borderline genius method, honestly. And uh, yeah, it would def- definitely be very, very keen to try that um, with the next dorsal tracheal perforation we, we, we get here. Um, in terms of what the, the best method is to for closure of these defects, case selection is going to be really important. And you know like with anything, you'll find that different repair methods are going to be suitable for different circumstances. Um, using the um, fiber and glue described by al., that is um, something that may well work well. It seems to work well in, in human patients. And I think now that some of the difficulties with application of the glue have been ironed out, that might be something that we can look to use for smaller defects. Um, I have a bit of a soft spot for using the endotracheal tube. Actually, um, a nice thing about that is if if I do get really lost and can't find very well where a perforation is. Actually, the last case I had, I really struggled to find the perforation. Putting an endotracheal tube really distally means that will will hope, hopefully take take care of the situation wherever the perforation is. Um, uh, there are obviously is- issues with making a new surgical site for the endotracheal tube, and some controversies over um, in inflating the, the cuff. But the, the Iglesias Garcia method would certainly be something that I'd be
1: very keen to try. Thank you very much, Alex, and thank you all for listening. <music>
0: Thank you for listening to this Equine Veterinary Education podcast. More on the subjects discussed in this podcast can be found online at wileyonlinelibrary.com forward slash journal forward slash eve.